For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, Thunder fans? It's your boy, Dylan, coming to you with an ad from our sponsor. We are part of the Believe Podcast Network, and so we are coming at you with our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your bet betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba and nhl playoffs major league baseball fights and even next season's nfl futures and don't forget this weekend as the run to the roses is on at the kentucky derby you know my my neck of the woods in kentucky um bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino and poker games it's super easy to get started so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use promo code b-l-e-a-v that is all capital letters b-l-e-a-v or believe or believe (laughs) to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts enjoy the pod And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger at Thunder Chats, and we are we are in post-draft lottery draft coverage now. Like, it's official. The Thunder had the number two pick. We didn't quite win the lottery. Somebody else had the pleasure of that. But we're going to get into that here in a second because joining us today is a man who is doubly happy for polar opposite reasons. His Western Conference team, the Dallas Mavericks, are in the Western Conference Finals, spearheaded by Luka Doncic. And his Eastern Conference team, the Orlando Magic, have won the lottery again, giving them the first pick in this year's draft. He is a man of many ventures, including, but not limited to, the Locked On Podcast Network, as well as starting his own website, MavsDraft.com. He was hooping before he came here. He's sick of hearing check compared to every skinny person to ever play in the league. And he is the first guest on our post-draft lottery coverage. Ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome the man making Mavs draft magnificent, Richard Stamen. Dude, I might need you to, to be my pr- official hype man. That, that is the best introduction I think I've ever had. I appreciate the kind words. Hey, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's a it's something I enjoy doing for our guests, like like getting them guessed up and get making them feel comfortable and welcome. So ho- hopefully, it did the job, man. But like I said, man, we're, we're excited to have you. Um, I've, I've been following you for a while on Twitter. Um, I've listened to you on Ryland's pod. I'm locked on Thunder a lot of times, so I'm excited to get the chance to talk to you myself. Hey, likewise, and I know I've, I've seen your account a lot. I, I think I've followed you for a bit. I can't remember, but definitely, uh, definitely excited to be on here and talk some Thunder. They're recently growing into like one of my biggest non-Mavs fan bases, so it's really nice to be here. There we go. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. Well, hey, man, uh, before we get into the draft, because we've got a lot to talk about in the draft, 
you know, whenever we have a new guest on, we like to kind of ask a few background questions just to, you know, give the listener an idea of who we're talking to. So uh, starting out, man, I just got to ask you, you know, what first got you into talent, talent evaluating for the draft? Yeah, uh, pretty relevant to this year, actually, when the Magic Glass won the lottery um, 2004. I was really excited because uh, the Mavs were good and the Magic were rebuilding. They had just moved on from uh, T-Mac and Grant Hill, all those guys, and they got a uh, – or not Grant Hill, I think he was actually still there. But regardless, they had the number one pick, and I was really excited between the battle of Emeka Okafor and Dwight Howard mm-hmm. to see who would be the number one pick. And that from there, it was kind of like it felt like predicting the future and – Pretty much uh, every year after I watched the draft, I, I did my little research as much as I could. I was 10 at the time. Uh, you know, being young, nice. you can only do so much. Yeah. And then uh, 2011, I loved Kawhi Leonard. That was like my guy. I hated Jimmy Butler. But I loved Kawhi Leonard, so I, I missed and I hit. I thought he should have been going to Cleveland at number four. And, uh, and then 2017, the way I started uh, Mavs draft was I – I went and I was talking about Donovan Mitchell so much. I was like, I'm just going to create an account so I don't bother everybody else who follows me for anything yeah. else I do. And I went to uh, create a map draft. I'm like, yeah, let's see what happens. And Donovan Mitchell turned out to be really good. So that's yeah. how I got here. There you go, man. Your claim to fame is Donovan Mitchell. I like it. I like it. Yeah, that, that's kind of the same thing with me. You know, I started, uh, started Thunder Chats. Um, because I didn't want to clog up my Twitter feed with a bunch of Thunder tweets, which I had already been doing for years. But, you know, I, once I was getting into podcasting and stuff, I knew it was going to be even worse. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with me. But, hey, uh, I, I want to ask you, you know, you said you you was really high on Kawhi. How old was you? At the, so you was 10 when he was 2004, so that means you were 17 at that point? Yeah, yeah, I was entering my senior year of high school that year. And, uh, and I was like, dang, this guy is huge. Like he has all the physical tools. Like if there's a guy to bank on, it's him, this draft. And lo and behold, I, I it was honestly a shot in the dark, really lucky more than actual like deep dive evaluation, but just from like an outsider's perspective, I thought he was really good. There you go. I, I like it, man. I mean, Hey, we all have our hits and misses. Uh, I was really high on Maxi. you know, ironically, I compared him to Donovan Mitchell. Um, but I was also, not really low. I just wasn't super bought in with Zion, and, like, he made me look really stupid last year. Jury is out on what he's going to end up looking like, but, you know, it hits and misses all around. Um, so I did mention you're part of the Locked On Network. Uh, is that Podcast Network or Network? I know you guys do some written stuff as well. Yeah, it's uh, Podcast. Okay, okay. Well, Locked On Podcast Network, let me say that for the record. Um, <laughs> so uh, how'd you get? how'd you get to become a part of that? Uh, I was really lucky. So the person who is like in charge of the basketball side is the Mavs guy. He's had me on his show so many times throughout the years to talk draft. And when it came time to fill in the draft show, I was like one of the first in line because he had experience with me. So that, that was really lucky, but also like he follows, he's followed me on Twitter forever. Um, mm. So he's seen my draft stuff and knew, and like, I know my stuff, not to like, you know, to my own horn, but you know, so I, I had experience with him. That was actually the really lucky part. I really didn't even have a podcast before. I had a little one I did, but it wasn't very big. So I was yeah. very lucky. I got you. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, I mean, you know, talking about it with, like, the Mavs in the draft, like, obviously you guys hit the lottery, you know, a couple of years ago taking Luka Doncic. Uh, was, was that one of the guys that you had kind of highlighted in that year's class or, like, was you looking elsewhere or what? Well, I really wanted DeAndre Aiden. I thought he was so special, and then I, I didn't realize the mindset 
was just not special. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a big miss, but I had Luca. I mean, I was very, very happy with him. I was excited to see him on the map. So I was not one of the people that was against him. I just, I thought it wasn't even a knock on him. I really thought, and I'm, I missed in this part. I thought Aiden was going to be like just such a dominant center. I thought he was going to be at the newest, closest thing. Like I thought he was going to be Embiid. Um, yeah. And that was before Embiid was Embiid. But, and then I also thought Bagley, I just, I was like, there's no way he doesn't translate. And then like, he's a, he didn't, it wasn't like I had them all for the most part. I had Aiden above, and then I had Luca and Bagley equal, which like at the time wasn't unpopular, but mm-hmm. now it makes me look really dumb. Yeah, well, I mean, there there was a lot of people obviously high on Bagley as well. I mean, he, he went number two in the draft, and uh, who who knows, man? If he didn't go to the Kings, he he might have ended up, you know, not a superstar, but he could have ended up a lot better situation. It, it looked like he was in a better situation towards the end of the year when he got traded to the Pistons. Um, but hey, man, you know. Uh, like I said, you know, Thunder Pod, Thunder Talk, before we get into the draft, I want to ask you, um, you know, we're obviously very proud of the guy going by Shea Gildas Alexander, as I wear the Shea guy, uh, NBA paint hoodie. Um, what was your evaluation on Shea going into the 2018 draft, and uh, how has he – how is uh, how he is now different from, I guess, your expectations at that point? Yeah, I really thought the lack of pull-up shooting out of Kentucky would kill him, and I missed on that. It wasn't – not only was it not a killer, he's actually not bad at pulling up. Uh, it's a little bit unconventional on how he does it, but I, I just – I really underestimated him. I think I fell for the Kentucky trap, but I learned the lessons, the quickness, the sliveriness. Like, it was, it's a, it was definitely a valuable scouting lesson and missing on him. Yeah. All right. Full disclosure. I mean, you'll probably learn as we get into the draft. I'm a huge Kentucky fan. So uh, I, I was, I wasn't super high on Shea. I was actually real low on him going into the year, but I had been like following his scouting. He was playing behind Quade Green at the beginning of the year and he didn't give much more than, ironically enough, defense and playmaking. <laughs> and, you know, then his calling card kind of became scoring. So it was fun to kind of watch him blossom. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of been like the consensus amongst the draft guys that we brought on here is everybody's been – that was the one thing, like the pull-up shot and really just his shot, in, like three-point shot in general. But, yeah, I've we we really enjoy Shea. And uh, you saying unconventional, that's like the perfect word to describe everything about Shea's game. I think he has a really unique game. Um, last year's draft, we drafted Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, uh, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, and Aaron Wiggins. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You had Jeremiah Robinson Earl in your top 14. Is that right? Yep. I, I believe it was number 12. Man. And ha, do, you, do you think that he's kind of met those expectations? Do you think there's, there's more to grow into? Well, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. If, it's crazy because the draft is so good. I don't even know if he's number 12, but like mm-hmm. what it was number 15. And he also missed a lot of time, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do think, uh, you know, he's already a veteran. Like, to me, that's uh, – I don't know. To me, that's somebody who's going to be a top 12 player from their draft. I, I'm very confident in it. I actually – I loved their draft as a whole. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm glad you said that too because, you know, um, obviously we had, we had Gideon, man. I'm like, I feel like most Thunder fans feel like um, Presty kind of batted – I mean, for lack of a better term, he batted a 1,000, like, in the draft. Like, we feel like he really – like struck gold. And I think that that's part of, even before we got the number two pick, that was part of the piece that we all felt. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My, I, I thought, I thought something was wrong. You was tickling him. 
sorry. Uh, <laughs> my son's on a ventilator and his alarm was going off because he unplugged his thing and my wife was plugging him up. I thought that she was having difficulty, but she was tickling him. So gotcha. sorry about that. <laughs> You're good. All right. Uh, back to what I was saying. Um, but yeah, no, we, we was really happy for the draft. Uh, that's why I feel like that we was more comfortable going into this year than we was last year, even before we got the number two pick. And something that we've said as a podcast is, you know, the Sixers had trust the process. We have trust the Presties. So that's kind of the mantra we're trying to carry into going into the year. But, um, you know, one more thing on last year's draft. I mean, do you feel the same? Do you feel like, obviously, like, um, revisionist history, like, you know, it would have been nice to get Herb Jones there in the second round. It, you know, it could have been nice to – I still would have liked to get Trey Murphy instead of uh, trading pick 16 away. But, you know, I mean, h- how do you feel about, I guess, your uh, your grade for the last year's draft? Yeah, the pick 16 trade is the only thing I really didn't like. Uh, I really thought they had a great <clears throat> great opportunity for Alper and Shingun there, mm-hmm. also the international presence they had. I'm huge on Alperin Schengen. I think he's going to be a really good center. I, I think he's got Vucevic level upside. So I, yeah, I would knock him for that. But also at the same time, they hit on all four picks. Like, like that's ridiculously hard. Even in like, you know, it's a weird season, whatever. Aaron Wiggins probably doesn't get the same run under most teams in most mm-hmm. situations, but like he got it and he showed he can be a three and D guy. It was something I talked with Brian when I locked on Thunder was, you know, three and D is the easiest position to scale, like roll to scale up from two way to actual like guaranteed roster spot. That is the easiest role. So all you have to do is hit your shots and stay in front of your man. You have two things to do on the court. And he did well. Jeremiah Robinson Rowe looks like a veteran. I mean, well, that preseason game when Oklahoma City got absolutely blown out, he was the only one that was a positive. Like yeah. weird things like that. It doesn't actually matter, but it does matter in a way. Like these guys are going to be good. And Trey Mann, I, I love. I think his athleticism popped a little bit in game. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when they played the Mavs, it was funny because that big dunk he had, I don't remember, it might have been against Dallas, but that big dunk he had early in the season, it, it really just sent a different reputation for man i knew him as a shot creating step back guy last year and then the broadcasters were like oh yeah the high flying trey man like that's what he's known for and i was like whoa what so it's growth everybody has exceeded or met my expectations and obviously i don't even need to say enough about giddy if he was healthy first team all rookie yeah I, I, i'm glad you said that because there's a lot of thunder fans that were upset about it understandable like understandably to agree but also understandably why he missed but uh, yeah, Trey Mann, I mean, I, I remember, you know, he really struggled with his shot going into the summer league and even coming into the season. Um, looked like he was really struggling to not even create space because he was still creating, like, a ridiculous amount of space. His shot just wasn't falling. He was trying to get, I guess, accustomed to the the different distance between college and NBA uh, distance. But, yeah, man, I, I remember that uh, – I think it was the dunk over Wayne Ellington against the Lakers, and that was, like, the first, like, oh, shoot, okay, Trey Mann's got bunnies like that. Interesting. So, yeah, he's he's a very fun player. Uh, a lot of Thunder fans feel very highly on him, and a lot of draft guys feel very high, highly for him, too. So, glad to hear your thoughts on that. So, before we get into the, this year's draft, I just want to ask you, you know, you're kind of on two different sides of the spectrum. You got a Western Conference Finals team as one fandom, and then you got a, you know, partner in crime on the rebuilding team. So, like, how do you feel about Presti's plan? Do you feel like it's going to come to fruition like we're hoping it is, or do you think that he should look to cash in some of those picks sooner or later? Well, I mean, I I think he's a modern-day successful process Sixers. In this way, I think he's a lot better at finding the bottom-end talent that Hinky wasn't. 
you look at his, it's like the Sixers. I mean, one of the guys that always jumps out, like there are a few, um, I, I, what's the name? Arnett Moultrie, Hollis yeah. Thompson, guys that just had no business being in the league. Like those were, Isaiah those were his guys. And you look at the Thunder and it's like, okay, sure. There's like Teo Maladon who is not good, but like, you also find these Aaron Wiggins, you find the, I mean, even Jalen Hoard is better than, than Hollis Thompson ever was. He's a lot better at finding this deep cut talent. So for me, it's like, that's, what's going to make him stand out. And on top of that, he's good at trading. You know, I wouldn't want to trade with him. And I think he eventually does cash in those chips though. I think that's something he'll do. And I think it's uh, something that Oklahoma city will thrive under. So they have a good combination of young talent plus the ability to get proven talent that'll help them win. So I'm, I'm pretty confident. All right. That's what I like to hear. Incurring debt is one of the staples of adulthood. Believe me, I know, you know, from the start of, you know, going to college, moving out of your house, starting your own family, um, all that leads to incurring debt. Um, and paying down debt can be very stressful. You know, because basically everything has to go right. You have to find other forms of income, other flows of income uh, to try to go ahead and, and, and bring that down. Um, and it's very difficult to do. You know, you, you sometimes you start to juggle multiple credit cards, multiple payment dates, um, and it can be very arduous. Uh, but if you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. Uh, that way you'll have one, just one due date a month and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you. Uh, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It won't affect your credit scores, and you could save money in the process. Are you ready to apply? Head over to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Well, hey, man, going into the draft, uh, you know, talking about confidence, um, you know, before we get into, you know, because obviously you pick before us, so I want to hear about, like, what's your opinion on who the Magic's going to pick because everybody's got a different opinion. Before we get into that, I just want to kind of ask blanket statement, like, who is your top five on the big board? Like, before I was asking top eight because that was the furthest we could fall, but, you know, now instead of it just being like, who's your top two, I just want to ask who's your top five. Yeah, so at the top I have Jabari Smith as my number one. I just love the way his game scales up. I have Chet Holmgren at number two, uh, superstar upside. Just, I mean, he could be the real center. And, um, you know, you look at what he does in the centers that I, I think he's going to average at least two assists and two blocks per game in the NBA pretty early too. And the players to do that are all, it, it's, it's in a very exclusive club. You don't do that without being in like an all-star at least once. So I'm very high on that. Then I have Paolo Boncaro. Um, just love his scoring and ability to be a first option. Jaden Ivey fourth, just because I don't know how much I trust the shot. And then fifth, I have Benedict Matherin from Arizona. He's a, I don't want to say three and D wing. He's a two-way wing with really good, just ideal length, size, and athleticism. Okay. See, th this is what I love. Like, you know, it, 
I, like I tell everybody else, like it'd be really boring if I just brought everybody on. They had the same top five. I like parody in the top five. I, I remember even last year, like before book night kind of had his rise and people thought we was going to take him at six. You had him at five when he was still like late lottery. So um, talk, talk about kind of before we get into like who the Magic and Thunder are going to take. Talk about uh, what you see in Mathurin, why you have him higher over guys like Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray. Yeah, I love Keegan Murray. Um I think he probably is the highest four in the draft. So I'll probably regret putting him at seven, which isn't even low, but like, I, I just yeah. think he'll be all rookie first team pretty safely barring injuries. Um, the issue with Sharp is just like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like high school, I don't know how to scout high school in one year to the mm-hmm. next level of competition being the NBA. So for me, that's just really hard to evaluate. And I know the high school talent, he is so legit like that. It, it the talent translates but to what extent? So that's my issue is it's almost just an inexperience thing for me, not being, this is my first year of really scouting high school basketball. So I don't know. I could be wrong. He could be number one. He could also be like number 30. So we yeah. don't really know. It's hard to say with these guys who, I mean, yeah, every top 100 player looks like Wilt Chamberlain out there level dominant. So it's hard to say that, but with Matherin more, it's more about him than the other mm-hmm. guys, especially over Murray since I had a more sample size, but I just think his, his prototype is really valuable. You look at his three-point shooting's legit. Uh, it's going to translate. He's going to be at worst and above average three-point shooter. His defense is really strong. Great athlete, crashes the boards. And I think his passing is something that, especially in a team like Oklahoma City, they could develop him really well. And uh, I, I don't want to say it, but, like, the mold of that is a star. Like, I don't want to give a specific player, but, I mean, you look at wings that can pass, shoot, defend, that's a star. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I've – I really like Matherin as well. Um, I've, I have outside hope that he would fall to 12, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But um, the, the reason I like him a lot is, like, just watching in his games, on both ends of the floor, dude's a dog. Like, he is such a tough competitor. And uh, the aspect of his game that I really appreciate, like, all the things you said, obviously, absolutely. Like, he's a great rebounder for his size as well. Um, but the thing that I love is – He's just a great cutter and a great slasher. And I think playing with guys like Shea and playing with guys like Giddy and, I mean, you know, even to like a, a smaller extent like Poku and JRE, like we've got a lot of guys that can pass the ball. Uh, I think he could really thrive in that situation. Uh, similar to what we've seen Aaron Wiggins, and I've kind of, you know, said that he could take Wiggins' role, but, you know, obviously a bigger role because, you know, Wiggins played a smaller role. But, you know, similar like play style, I guess. But. All right, man. Enough about the low. Like we're getting to the top of the draft. Like this is this is what the people have come for. This is like as soon as the lottery shook out, I was like, wow, this is perfect. We're having match draft on the pod in like two days. So I want to hear, man. You know, you have Jabari number one at your board. Is that who you feel like the Magic's going to draft? Um, let me frame it like this: Who do you think the Magic will draft, and who do you want the Magic to draft? It's, it might both answers might be Chet. I, I think. Okay. He, he has the least overlap of any player right now on the roster. Uh, the mag- I mean, I, I'm pretty confident it's him that they will take because this front office loves length and defense and yeah. shooting. And, you know, this is the front office that took Mo Bamba. And really, uh, the way I look at Chet is think of him this way. Imagine if Mo Bamba actually was good because he's a bust uh, I, in the nicest way. And it's not all about him, but just, I mean, you look at the players picked in that top 10. Mm-hmm. He has a very strong case of being the worst player uh marvin badley's better and when you're in that discussion you're you're probably busting i mean that with, like I, I can't say all the respect because i 
realize how disrespectful it is, but you look at a player who can pass and shoot and defend better than Mo Bamba with his frame and not entire frame, but just that like build. I think mm-hmm. the Magic are going to fall in love with him. I personally would still probably take Chet, but I would give a very hard look at Jabari before Paolo. Yeah. Well, hey, that's that's interesting you said that because, you know, like we did like a two and a half hour like live lottery reaction on space as we had a bunch of Thunder fans chiming in. And we were trying to figure out who uh, we thought would be there at two. And I, I was very consistent on saying, Chet, I've heard a lot of people say Paolo just because like the Magic, I guess they lack like a number one option and Paolo would fit the mold there. I've heard a lot of people say Jabari. Um, uh Draft deeper, Nathan Grubel. He's he's mentioned the fact that the proximity of Orlando and Auburn, like um, Orlando Magic's like scouts, could like go and see Jabari like multiple times. Like they're gonna have a good feel of like you know what what he could provide or what he could uh, contribute to a team. And so like, I got I've heard the case back forth, but I I'm I'm with you, man. I, I think it's Chet. You know, for all the reasons you said with the length, and you know, just like you know, like, I guess shadow reasons, like, you know, his connection with Jalen Suggs, you know, playing together on the AAU team, um, Suggs being a huge influence on him going to Gonzaga. Obviously, they're not going to just, like, listen to whoever Jalen Suggs says to pick for the number one pick in a draft, but I, I do think that it helps, it contributes, and um, I think it helps you guys, too, because, you know, two of your best players, you know, probably two of your best three players, uh, excluding Franz, um, instantly have a connection, and, you know, that, that bodes well for you guys going into the season. Um, all right. Well, hey, so you say you got Chet, number one, going to the Magic. So, gets to the Thunder. Jabari's on the board. Paolo's on the board. Same question. Who do you think the Thunder, that Presti will take? I know that's hard. That's hard to answer because Presti's one of a kind. And who do you want him to take? Yeah, this one's for sure the same answer. Um, I, think, I think it's going to be Jabari Smith. I think the Thunder are going to take a very long-term approach at this. You have a chance to draft probably one of the very best role players. Like, not even role player. He's not a role player. I think he'll make an all-star game in his career. You look at the – he's a role player the same way Clay Thompson is. Like, Clay is uh-huh. one of the very best 3 and D players of all time. Um, and I – to an extent, Jabari Smith is a bigger Clay Thompson. Obviously, the shooting differences, I'm not going to even say he's the same breadth of this best or second-best shooter of all time. But – I think um, I, I think there's just a lot of similarities. The way he defends doesn't do a lot in terms of dribbles, but when asked, maybe every once in a while he can create a little bit of his own. Elite shooter in the league, great defender, and obviously when you're 6'10", it just gives you such a massive advantage. You look at Maxi Kleba, for example. He's probably the tallest 3 and D guy in the league, and he has been great in the playoffs and his value. He's underpaid at whatever. He's making like $10 million a year, $8 million, something like that, maybe twelve. That's a max contract. Uh, when you get that as a rookie, you're going to be instantly better. And I think the long game with why I say Jabari Smith, next year's draft class is unbelievably stacked. He's made a no secret. He's tanking for Wembenyama. Every team really should. That's not going to be over 500. They should all go in on the tank race. Like he's that special. And the consolation prizes for not winning Wemby are pretty strong. So I think he's going to do that. You get the elite role player, you get the superstar, and you already have some really strong pieces in place. It's a great setup without having to give up any assets to be at stardom for a team. I, I, I like it, man. You know, I, I'm i not going to lie and tell you that Jabari at number one, and I agree with you on that. Like, I agree, like, Jabari is, like, a seamless fit. Like, you know, just providing somebody that has the shooting that he has with a guy, you know, with a team with Giddy and Shea, 
who you know rely on you know having some perimeter gravity who have like the worst three-point shooting team in the league like I've, I've said consistently Shea's done more with less than almost anybody in the league the past couple of years with as limited shooting as he's had um so I, I like your part and it's funny you mentioned clay uh my co-host alex he's even said that he pictures Jabari's role at least his first couple of years kind of being like a clay, like, you know, running him through screens, off pin downs, uh, spot ups, you know, because the lack of creation that he has. And, you know, playing uh, again with Gideon and Shea, you might not have to create your shot as, as much with, you know, creators like that. So, uh, so I do want to ask, you know, I mentioned I have Powell number one on my board. It's a very fluid board. Like it's changed a lot over the past uh, few months, but, um, if I was to ask you to make the case for Paolo at two, uh, what would you say? Yeah, it's you're looking at a number one score. Uh, his ability to just create his own shot, get to a spot, and shoot over a defender at his size, he's 6'10. Uh, that's really unique. You might have think you might think with saying that I had described like a former superstar for Oklahoma City that wore number 35. Um, you know, when you look at something like that, it's really special and it's hard not to see the intrigue. Like, yeah, he has some defensive shortcomings. He really turns on and off his motor, which can be an alarm. But, and, and also another one is that it's passing. Uh, he makes some advanced passes, but it's his fundamentals as a passer. He can't make a post-entry pass. Uh, his accuracy is way off. If you look at some of the fundamentals, it scares me off a little bit. Uh, if you're willing to overlook it, you know, it's not that bad. It may hurt you in the playoffs more than the regular season, but you can move his feet well. He has all the tools to be a decent defender at the least hold his own kind of, I mean, in that way, like the same way, we, uh, this is unfair and I'm not comparing him, but like Kevin Durant's a great defender, I think, especially mm-hmm. given the scoring load he has, he's a great defender. And it just seems like a lot of the play style and the overall style for both just overlaps. You look at a 6'10 shot creator that can hold his own on defense and sometimes create for others. That's, that's the star mold. All right. I like it, man. Yeah. I, I'm really intrigued by his passing because he kind of took the lead playmaker role going down the stretch for Duke um, in the postseason because they they lacked a guy like that. Like, their guards were, you know, bucket getters, you know, not really guys that, you know, create more for their teammates. Um, so, I'm intrigued by that. I, I'd like to see that unlocks more. I think that, you know, having multiple guys that can create for himself and his teammates would be good to have on a team. But, yeah everything you said, like all those concerns, they're valid 100%. Um, I do want to ask you this. So, you know, like we mentioned, Presti's wild card. He's one of a kind. If there was going to be somebody that would go out of the consensus top three at pick two, it would be him. Uh, If Presti was to go out of consensus top three, who do you see uh, fitting OKC the best? Man, you know, I I thought about Jaden Ivey for a bit because he is really talented. Mm-hmm. But I actually think it might be Jalen Duren. You look at a guy who was top three in the, this, what was supposed to be this upcoming recruiting class. He shouldn't even yeah. reclassified into this class. And I, I think he might sneak up into the top five. It really wouldn't shock me. Um, I don't think he's going to do it at two or anything like that. But his ability to protect the rim, move in space and finish at the rim is really special. And if you believe the jump shot comes along, personally, I don't. If you believe the jump shot comes along, you've got a really talented player. And, and honestly, a lot of people compared his play style to Dwight Howard, and I kind of see it. I don't think he's a one-to-one, but that play style is. Okay. I like it. Spicy, man. So, you know, you, you mentioned you don't think that we should take him at two. Um, would you entertain 
do you think the Thunder should entertain trading back at two? Like, obviously, like, they're going to listen to offers, but, like, do you think that's something they should legitimately entertain, or do you think, like, you know, there's a big three in this draft. You have one of the big three. Don't overthink this. Yeah, probably don't overthink it. But if you get a – I mean, if you get a godfather offer, somebody like, I don't know, Washington is desperate enough where they're like, hey, we need Jabari Smith, and we'll do anything. Like, we'll give you whoever you want. Like, I mean, hell, even if they got Dan Gafford and um, – trying to think of who else uh, is on there. I, I can't really think of their roster. I should have thought of this right before, but <laughs> a, a package around Dan Gafford 10 and a future pick or something, it might be worth it. Um, you get a center, you upgrade there. And you also really, the, the drop-off isn't like insane. There, and it's a very like, what's the word? Uh, I don't, is it not linear, I guess, but it, it's a very gradual drop-off. Gradual, yeah. Maybe it is linear, but yeah, like regardless, it's a draft where it's like the drop-offs from each range that it generally drops off at over year over year. It doesn't do it this year. I got you. Yeah. Um, one concept that uh, another one of my co-hosts, Matty Moles, has kind of brought up is like uh, trading back to like uh, four with the Kings or five with the Pistons and like, you know, maybe getting a Kings like unprotected pick next year or having the Pistons remove their protections on their next year's pick or, you know, something like that. And, like, I don't even know if that's something that they would entertain because, like you said, Wimbenyama is, like, the big price everybody's buying for. So, I, I, I kind of lean with you. Like, they should probably not overthink it and just hang out with two. But, hey, if that's on the table, you at least got to consider it because um, I, I do think that just the mystery box or Shade and Sharp, I think, really intrigues a lot of teams. And I could see – you know, press the guy that said famously, like, we don't have a consensus draft board. I could see him, you know, taking a swing on somebody like that. Um, all right, moving down to the pick 12, uh, the Clippers pick that didn't jump but didn't fall, thankfully. Um, who's some prospects around that range that you like? Yeah, let me first clarify. When I said trade with the Wizards, um, I should have – I, I thought of this right after – if they take that 10th pick and they also have 12, move back up, use those two picks or even the 30th pick too, and uh, move up into like the top seven. So just, just yeah. clarify, I wouldn't just settle for 10 and 12. That'd be a horrible disaster of a tank. But okay, okay. That's um, fair. I, I did not clarify that whatsoever. I don't want to be put on the stake. But uh, some other guys that are in that range, you look at Malachi Branham, somebody who's climbing. I don't know if they'd really take a guard, but I think he is one of the better ones at fitting with other guards. AJ Griffin, if his medicals uh, keep him from sliding up or excuse me, keep him from rising up. He was a fi- almost 50% shooter for most of the year until the tournament really just lights out. He's raw because he was injured for a couple of years, should be able to grow into a good defender and overall like good slasher too off the, off the attack. Maybe even Keegan Murray. Uh, if I doubt he's there at 12 actually. So disregard that. Yeah. Some, a couple other names though. You look at Johnny Davis from Wisconsin was a one-man show there. And then Usman Jang. I really think, you know, Sam Presti's connects to the international game. Usman is a guy who's 6'9 or so. Uh, I think he actually measured. So let me let me double-check that. Um, he did not measure. So never mind. We'll go with 6'9. He's a shot creator to an extent. Can hit off of like one or two dribbles. Good shot. Great defender. Great defender. But it was a tale of two halves for him when you look up the stats. Like his second half of the season was much better. Yeah, I think uh, I listened to Rafael Barlow's pod today, uh, Locked on Big Board, and he mentioned that he spoke to Usman Zhang and said that he told him that he's 6'10". You know, again, that's word of mouth. It's not official measurements, but 
if that's the case, it, you know, it does help out. Um, yeah, Jang's a guy that I've been really intrigued with. Um, I know that he had a rough start to his year in NBL, and that kind of turned a lot of guys off to him. But just his combination of skill, like he's – it's like tailor-made for what Presti's looking at. Like these past couple of years, a guy that can dribble, pass, shoot. Um, and, and even combining, you know, his old philosophy of like, you know, lengthy guys that are athletic and defend, you know, it kind of meshes the best of both worlds. And I've been kind of firm in saying that I feel like if you go kind of safe, like a surefire guy, like like a Jabari, like a Paulo, like a Chet at the top of the draft, you can kind of afford to take a swing, you know, in the 12 range. So uh, I would I would love to, you know, see Jang. Um, you know, you mentioned Johnny Davis. Uh, you mentioned uh, Malachi Branham. Uh, talk about Malachi Branham because, you know, we've we've had a lot of Johnny Davis apologists on the pod, even Dyson Daniels. Um, so uh, let's hear what you guys said about Malachi, Malachi Branham and uh, kind of how you project his fit with guys like Shea and Giddy. Yeah, he's a little bit raw for the first two months of the season. He averaged six points a game. After that, it was over 20. So he's, he's really another guy to have two halves. And you look at the upside with him with a decent floor, uh, really recovers well from pick and rolls. And for guards, his age, that's really rare to say. Good jump shot. I like his ability to shoot it all uh, to mid-range and, and three-pointer and to be a three-level scorer as a finisher, too. He's confident in slashing. So I like his ability just to be a complete two-way guard. Okay. I like it. See, I – I, I've seen all the things about offense, like his offensive explosion there at the end of the year. Um, but that was the first time I've heard somebody really like break down uh, his potential defensively. And, and that intrigues me because uh, kind of bleeding into the next question here. Um, do you think that OKC should try to trade up from 12 or do you trust that there's going to be a good enough prospect to fall at 12 that we could stay put without moving an asset? Well, I think I don't think Oklahoma City can really take three guys in the first, really four in the four, first 34. I think they're going to make a trade inevitably. Yeah. Uh, personally, I would move either 12 and 30 or 12 and 34, move up a couple spots. I mean, if you got a chance at like Keegan Murray or something, I, I mean, that's a, that's a game changer. Again, if they take Jabari Smith at two, I don't, first of all, I actually don't even know how they tank with that roster. It's going to be a lot harder. Um, to do that with with the roster that I'm building out through this draft, just with the spacing, man. <laughs> yeah, I I just it would, it would be really good. And like you know, if you want to have some injuries at the end of the season to roll into that tank race, more power to you because uh, rookies don't help with winning. That's something most rookies, I should say, there yeah. are very few that end up positive. It's about eight or nine a year, and maybe one of them will be. But I mean, that would be an incredible haul. Just those two alone. I don't think you need to take anybody else after that. Yeah, no, I. I'd be ecstatic with Keegan Murray falling, um, you know, down to that range, you know, maybe trade up just a little bit to get him. Uh, you know, he's been a guy I've been consistent. Like, I like him. I just don't want him to be the big prize for all, all of our pain and suffering this year. And, you know, now that we have the number two pick, like, yeah, if we can move up a little bit to get him, I'm all for it. So I'm right there with you. I want to ask you this. I kind of brought this up in our spaces. I, I haven't got to ask anybody else about this. So, um, the Hornets have picked 13 and 15, and obviously we're picked 12. Um, I feel like the Hornets are looking for a big man. I, I think they would love like a Jalen Duran, Mark Williams type of guy. Uh, say like Mark Williams was to get to 12 and OKC, like, you know, there's a lot of people that say there's a big drop off after Duran Williams on the big man. Um, say OKC was to say, you know, we're going to take Mark Williams. Um, if we offered you 12 and 30, 
we could have 13 and 15. Do you think that's something they go for? Do you think that it's just too much value for them? I would do it for Oklahoma City. I'm trying to think if Charlotte would do it. Um, and I think Charlotte would probably rather have 13 and 15. But yeah. um, it would be an interesting one. It, I think that there's room to work with from that package. Yeah. Yeah, I was just there, – there's a bunch of guys that I want this draft. Like, the more I dive into it, the more I fall in love. Like, guys like Jalen Williams, who Rafael Barlow today said that he's working his way up in the lottery bus, and that just bums me out because he was a guy I really wanted at pick 30 or, like, trading to the 20s. So, yeah, I, I guess this is just me just trying to manufacture ways to get more guys in those range. Um, all right, uh, let's see here. So, we have mentioned, you know, pick – we also have picked 30 and 34 – um let's just say hypothetically Presti was to keep like to keep all these picks like he was actually gonna make selections here are is there somebody in that range that you feel like would either fit well or would be worth taking a shot on this is on pick 30 correct 30 or 34 you know just they're kind of same range um man you know it's hard to say with the, with the combine, it feels like I'm starting to see the changes because a week ago I would have said Turquavion Smith, but I think he's played himself out of that range. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who – it's hard. I, I think there's guys that might surprise people and fall, like Ty Ty Washington. I could see something like that. I don't think he'd fall. I don't think Oklahoma City is the team to take him, but yeah. maybe Wendell Moore from Duke. Uh, he's mm-hmm. really almost flown under the radar in a way like – just every way, even as a freshman to now, I mean, he's six, five and a half with a seven foot and a half wingspan. So plus seven, it's pretty ridiculous. He can defend, he can pass kind of drive, not really though. And then he can really shoot with the lights out. And he he's been more confident this year. He needs to still get a little bit more confident, be a killer as a three, but I would absolutely love to see him. And I'll throw out two names that I think are actually realistic because obviously Wendell Moore, but you look at Jalen Williams from Arkansas if he makes it that far, I know he's kind of in the draft kind of because he could come back and be on one of the most stacked teams ever at <laughs> Arkansas of young talent. And uh, I, I think he should stay in the draft as much as he could win a title. Um, that dude's a very all-around big man. He can do everything, 6'10", 6'11", and can do just about everything. And I'm trying to see if uh, his wing, wingspan or anything like that checks out because he got measured. But, um, yeah, he's a yeah, pretty good 6'10", with 7'1", wingspan. Uh, and has a lot of guard skills. I got you. Um, you know, I want to ask you, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about the big guys here in a little bit, but um, one of the big winners kind of at the combine, Christian Coloco, I saw that he shot very well from the three-point star drill, and that kind of shocked me because everything I've seen from Coloco is he's a guy that gets it done around the rim. He's guy's going to protect the rim. Um, do you feel like he's going to kind of shoot up on the draft boards a little bit, or do you feel like, you know, it's just – just uh just kind of workout atmosphere yeah i actually do think he might um that he might really stand out because with him he has been hidden in the last two years under sean miller you get a coaching change and suddenly boom he broke out um you know you, you took a i have a video of it if you search it he took a jump shot against washington state and it actually looked pretty clean um so i think it's real I'm, I'm willing to bet that that jump shot is real. How real the three-point shot right now is or early in his career, hard to say, but a mid-range yeah. is very realistic. Okay. I like it. Yeah, see, a lot of Thunder fans have just been really obsessed with the quote-unquote lob threat for Gideon Shea, and understandably so. Like, it would be a lot of fun. Like, I think it's important to have vertical spacing, but, like, 
you know, like I mentioned earlier with just, you know, Shea's tendency driving to the rim and like how much space could do for him. I, I really want a big that can at least theoretically stretch the floor. Like, you know, as a big man, I'm not asking you to be Carl Anthony Towns and shoot 40% from three, but you know, 33, 34% from three, like, you know, obviously not off the bat, but like I, I, I just want spacing all over the floor for Shea. I want him to have, you know, as, as clear of a lane as he can to get to the rim. So Coloco uh, is kind of a guy that I've been intrigued with. Uh, Kamagate was kind of like my choice of the big man after like the Durham Mark Williams tier. But if Coloco can shoot like this and projects to be like a consistent shooter like this, uh, I, I think I'm going to have him higher up on that. Yeah, and it comes down to the jump shot and because his perimeter – quickness is really nice like you'll get a modern big you won't be frozen out of the playoffs i like it hey i mean you might be talking me into him <laughs> um well hey you know talking about like i said assume that we keep all four picks uh this has been something we ask all our guests here um but for you we get pick two instead of pick four so i uh, assume we keep pick two pick 12 30 and 34 what are one or two fun player combinations you'd like to see on okc Man, um, I would say it's a cheat code to use number two because I think Jabari Smith at anybody is really unfair. I would say at 30 that they uh, they get Ryan Rollins and at 12 they get Usman Jane because you get kind of the balance that both of them lack and are good at because Ryan mm-hmm. Rollins is somebody who I, I love. I, I don't even know if he'll make it to 30, but he's been my guy. Him and Raphael and I have been hyping him up all year. And I think he's just a beautiful shot maker. Doesn't play any defense. That's that's where Usman Jane comes in as a stalwart on defense next to him that can also create and finish a little bit and help Ryan Rollins as a playmaker grow. I really love that combination. You get two scores. I know backcourt player may not seem like the best thing for Oklahoma City, but I really do think he can fit into all these three-guard lineups and whatnot too. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, I like it, man. You know, I – I kind of lean on the best player available over the fit thing, even as you get lower into the draft, um, because as encouraging as signs have been and, you know, as encouraging this draft would be, we're not good enough to really care about fit right now. Like we, we have a talent deficit and, you know, we need to add talent. So if you think Ryan Rollins has a chance to, you know, get out there and outplay guys like Tao Maladon, Pete Crecci, um, or heck even Trey Mann, like, absolutely draft him and you know what those guys you know prove themselves so uh yeah and also ryan rollins uh cory tolba of draft Jack and no ceilings yeah, he he actually said when he was on here that was a guy that he really likes to uh he mentioned that uh he, he sees a lot of devin booker in his offense which obviously he said you know he's not devin booker <laughs> like don't don't get it twisted but you know he, he sees a lot of tendencies like that so yeah um that, that's a guy i've kind of started diving into and I'm right there with you, man. Like, yeah, if we if we used to get Jabari Usman Jang and Ryan Rollins, I would. I mean, back to back years, Presti just like a plus. So, I, I'm excited, man. It's gonna be a fun draft. Well, before we get into Twitter questions, we have a few Twitter questions, and we like to, you know, end our interviews with a game. Just like go on a fun note. Uh, if I was to ask you to give a bold prediction for the Thunder draft, what would it be? Man. Um... I'm going to go with they package they package 34, 30, and 12. And they move into the top 
seven, six, whatever that gets you. Um, I, I could see them being kind of two and done, be in the top and then stop from there. All right. I like it. I, I tell you, like, I've walked through the scenario in my head because, you know, we're going to do, like, a live pod during the draft and everything. Like we did last year, we recorded, like, four and a half straight hours. Like, it was, the, <laughs> it was a terrible decision in retrospect because we went all the way to pick 55, but it was a good time. So, I've walked through, like, you know, we're expecting pick two. We're breaking down pick two, and all of a sudden you get the Woj bomb. The Thunder's traded up, and, like, everybody's just going crazy. So, yeah, I like it, man. It, that's a lot of fun. But, hey, like I said, uh, I did ask for a couple of Twitter questions, and we got a few here. So I'm going to go – let's see here. So at Thunder Up Trey said, if there is one riser that would be the Josh Primo in this draft and shock everyone how high he goes, who would it be? Well, the answer before the combine was a lot cooler. Um, I, I'm going to give three candidates. Jean Montero from Overtime Elite. Yeah. Blake Wesley from – uh, from Notre Dame and just uh, Jalen Williams starts doesn't count because I mean what we just talked about <laughs> how he's probably already done that I mean is it a I'm trying to think of who else it could be I mean really the only one that comes to mind Jerquavion Smith might actually be it but at yeah. that point how much uh, the other two are much more surprising I think uh, when you look at John Montero and Blake Wesley they're not talked about very much on draft sites because they've they didn't go to places that are easily accessible for a lot of people compared to the Duke, North Carolina, whatever school you want to talk about. They're a little bit under the radar. Man, just intentionally excluded Kentucky. I see how it is. It's all good. <laughs> um, now I want to ask uh, John, John Montero, he played today in the combine, right? Um, I didn't get to see how he did. I, I didn't either, um, but I know I got to see him actually last week before the combine. Oh, nice. Over in Dallas, and I was just blown away. I thought of him as a pure scorer before that. The dude is completely pass first. It, it's a big misconception. The system he played in was a pickup game where they were like, all right, do whatever you want. And uh, I think he he's going to benefit from getting stronger. He's not very long, very skinny, but he knows how to play to his strength, quite literally, like his physical strength. He knows how to use it. And I think that's going to do a lot for him. He's a raw project, but somebody's going to take a chance and have him develop a patient system and see the results. All right. I like it. Yeah, I I kind of want to circle back on this because, you know, like I said, I, I really like Jay Williams. And you did bring him up again, so he just hopped up in my mind. Uh, a lot of the reason that he's kind of shot up draft boards uh, at the combine is because he's tested so well, like his standing vertical – um, his running vertical, his wingspan, his height. Uh, I mean, his wingspan is just ridiculous. Six foot six and like seven two wingspan. It's crazy. Um, and, you know, obviously his play in the combine. Um, you know, like I said, Rafael thinks that he's going to be a lottery guy. Do you think that's a guy that Presti should target at 12 or do you think it's a little too rich for your blood? Man, I. Uh... You know, I don't. I just don't see a big enough gap between most of these guys. I don't have an issue at twelve. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I'm. I don't know, man. Like I, I said it today. You know, kind of joking. Like, F it, just take him at twelve. But you know, if there's a GM that was like, you know, identify him as your guy, and just like I'm just gonna take him at twelve. It's Presty, so I. I would be a little shocked, but I'd I'd be okay with it. <laughs> So, all right, moving on. We'll, we'll stop talking about Jay Williams. Sorry, guys. Um, so, at Esson DVL, uh, I guess this is a question, like, for you specifically. Uh, is it better to have – or 
for you, is it better to have the number one pick in the draft or would you rather have two and 12? Uh, this is a year we talked about this actually on Locked On um, on our live show. It might be better to have two and 12. I don't know if I'd want to, like Raphael was saying, I don't know if I want to be the team that does to, that is locked in on, they have to start the, the path on the top three because nobody knows how these top three are really supposed to be ranked. Yeah. Everybody's just kind of spitballing. There's no like clear, oh, you haven't seen this element. It's obvious this is what separates them. There is none of that. So I would probably say two and having to make a 50-50 choice is a lot better than a 33-33-33 choice. All right. I like it. Gassing us up a little bit before we close it out. I appreciate that. Um, so at uh, Shea underscore step, he asked a couple of questions that we already covered, but I did want to acknowledge him and thank him for asking those questions. So, um, man, we're going to close it out playing a couple games all i gave you was rapid fire kind of told you what the games would be but not telling you the context so uh we'll go ahead and get started man so overrated underrated if i was asked you give me a prospect that you think is overrated and underrated and if you don't want to say overrated because you don't want to be critical just say somebody that you have a higher than consensus and lower than consensus all right let's do it no, I mean, yeah, yeah, just like, just pick, oh, pick one oh, of these. Oh, sorry, oh, I'm sorry, I'm missing this. Good, you're, you're wanting me to. Oh, okay, I apologize. I thought you were going to give a name. I'm so no, sorry. Yes, I'm uh, overrated. It, this feels like a cheap shot. Patrick Baldwin. Um, mm, yeah, he's, he's been, he's been hyped up for results that are two years in the past now, and. I just – I don't know. He didn't perform at the FIBA USA. He didn't perform at a very weak conference and easy games. How am I supposed to trust that he's going to perform in the NBA? Um, how many can I do? Uh, you can do as many as you want, man. Well, the next one is the easiest target of them all. This is the easiest, like, punch down I've ever done. Peyton Watson. <laughs> I don't know how on earth that guy is in the NBA combine. Um, shout out to his agent for the good work he's putting in. But his whole thing was like – Oh, he's raw. That's why he was so bad. You see how he has a bad fit, all this stuff. And like, you'll see his length is really going to separate him. He's six, eight with a seven foot wingspan. It's not, that's really not that special. Yeah. And he can't shoot. I, I just, I don't buy him at all. I don't have him in my top 100 personally. All right. And, I, I respect it. And then moving to the underrated, I'll do, I'll do two. Um, for me, pretty easy. Ryan Rollins. I have him at 16 right now. I don't think the consensus really even has him first round. But I'm pretty confident once the combine's done, he'll be there. Um, another one who, I mean, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper than just first-round guys. Someone who I feel is really, really underrated, hasn't gotten any attention. I know there's been some agency stuff where they just kind of forgot about him for the draft. Is this kid from Europe. He's auto-eligible. His name's Giordano Bordelani. And trust me, I could not have made that any more Americanized Man. of a name. But he's 6'4" one of the best shooters on the planet that is not in the NBA. Um, he, he shot, and actually he's pretty efficient too, shot 46% from, from the field in Italy, which is a pretty good league this year, had 13 points a game. And that was on 44% from, from three and 87% from the line. If you search Bortolani, uh, as Americanized as that sounds, you should be able to spell it B-O-R-T-O-L-A-N-I. If you search him, Mavstraft, You'll see these videos. His threes are just insane. His shooting touch is nuts. He can shoot over anybody and his quickness of getting it off. I, I don't want to say it, but he looks like one of the best shooters not in the NBA. Like he is a massive sleeper. Dang. Okay. Hey, I gotta say that's that's a name I haven't heard yet. So like you you done your job on the underrated. I'm I'm excited to kind of dig in on him. 
That sounds like a guy that Presti might just, you know, sneak his way into the back of the second round and be like, hey, let me take that guy. Uh, Borgiani, is that what you said his name was? Giordano Bortolani. Bortolani. Gosh, I was close. My bad. <laughs> All it's right. It's a tough one. All right. Um, we kind of already asked this, but I'll ask you for the dichotomy of it. Um, so, biggest riser and biggest follower in this draft. Yeah, biggest riser is probably going to be Jalen Williams uh, from Santa Clara. Just, yeah, I mean, that's the cop out. Uh, the biggest faller, that was one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Patrick Baldwin, not close. Uh, yeah. I, I took two cheap shots on my overrated, but the <laughs> biggest, far and away, the biggest faller is him. Uh, Patrick Baldwin can't shoot, but he's a shooter. Uh, athleticism was, uh, somebody said it was like Dakari Johnson. That's, yeah. that's a flag. <laughs> yeah, I saw he had like one of the four lowest uh, vertical, like combined verticals in like the history of the combine. And that's just, oh, that's not good. And, and I, I was willing to take a shot on Patrick Baldwin Jr. But after like everything that's happened at the combine, like nah, I'm, I'm good off that. So, all right, moving into superlatives. Uh, you kind of mentioned this a second ago. I'm going to see if it's your same answer. Uh, best shooter in the draft. So, I mean, it's really Jabari Smith. But mm-hmm. like, because uh, in terms of realisticness to actually make the league and stick in the league, it's it's Jabari Smith. If you're looking at just overall pure shooter, it's it's Bordelani. It's it's actually probably not close either. I mean, you look at what he's doing in a pro league at that level of efficiency. Uh, I just, I mean, I'm telling you, search search his name if you're you know if you're able to spell it out at this point. Search <laughs> his name on Twitter. I'll probably be some of the videos. It's absurd. The movement threes, the off the screen, the self-created. He has really nice handles, and he's a really good passer. So I know I diverted away from the best shooter, but, I mean, like, his shooting ability is nuts, and he knows how to use his gravity. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm really excited. Like, you know, I've, I've done, like, eight draft pods, you know, since the end of the season, and that's, that's a name I haven't heard, so I'm excited to dive in. I feel like a kid in the candy store. So uh, best athlete in this draft. Um, the best athlete in this draft, man, it might Jalen Duren's up there. He's really up there. Jaden Ivy is a tough one to to doubt. Um, I would probably go. Jaden Ivy has a really strong kid. I hate using like a top guy for this, but I, I think uh, I think it's Jaden Ivy. That's probably going to be my answer. If it's right, it's right, man. Um, all right, moving into the best defender. This could be perimeter, interior, overall. However you want to describe it. In terms of tools, I'm not sure there's one better than Ismael Kamikate, just the quickness and everything in the rim protection, the recovery ability. It's pretty nuts. Jeremy Sohan's up there. Kendall Brown's probably up there. Um, Usman Jang is somebody who really might be one of the best defenders. Um, I'm trying to think of a guard that could really sneak up into this conversation uh, Trevor Keels. Trevor Keels is definitely one. That's probably the guard answer I would go with. So just kind of got one of every position. I got you. Um, so do you have do you have Keels like over guys like Dyson Daniel, Shawnee Davis, or no, 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 not that high. I have Keels. Uh, I've cooled off on him. I was higher. I moved him into a second round grade uh, just because the offense it's a little bit shaky right now. Obviously he's young, but uh, just shaky offense is a little bit worrisome for a guard. Right, my bad. I, I, I explained that bad. I, I meant as a defender. That, that was my fault. Oh, I, did, I didn't mean you Trevor so that. <laughs> so sorry. Yes. Uh, no, that's on me. Yeah, yeah, he is one of the – I mean, he's up in that range. I, I think he's a better defender than Johnny Davis. Okay. I like it. Uh, deepest bag in the draft. Oh, Ryan Rollins. Next. All right. <laughs> I'm so confident in that. He His ability just to 
uh, it's nuts. The, the self-creation moves he has, he has the behind the back step backs in his bag already. It, it, it's one of the most polished jumpers in the game. Okay. I'm with it. Uh, highest floor in the draft. You said Keegan Murray earlier. You're sticking with yep. that? Okay. Yeah, it's Keegan okay. or Jabari. Okay. Okay. And uh, best passer in the draft. Best passer in the draft. That is tough. Um, man, give me a second to think on that. I should have had a, an answer prepared, but. No, you're good. You know, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a deep cut guy, Andrew Nemhard. Uh, he was one of the best passers in the country from Gonzaga. There's a really good chance he gets drafted in the end of the second round. Uh, I would go with him. And also, actually, I'm I'm looking through my board, and there's somebody else I want to add as a uh, best bag. Jamari Bouye from San Francisco. That dude has a bag. So he's he's an honorary mention. Yeah, he uh he played in the tournament, right? Was he was yeah. Yeah, they I, played uh, Murray State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Swiss Cultures did a video on him. I, 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 that name stuck out, and it was because of his bag. So, yeah, right there with you. All right, last one, man. Start bench cut. This is a prevalent conversation in all of basketball. We're taking it to the draft Twitter. So, or not draft Twitter, draft conversation. I don't know why I said Twitter. All right, anyways, uh, start bench cut. Let's start with shooters here. And uh, I had Patrick Bowman Jr. in there, but he's he's out. I, I'm going to take him himself. out of that. Yeah, he's done, so. <laughs> Um, I'm going to take a, I'm going to say Christian Brown, Brown, what, however you say it, yep, Gabriel for Cheetah and your guy, uh, Br- God, what's his name? Bordioni? Bordelani. Uh, oh, this is easy The start. I, I mean, the chances of getting to the NBA again, the, the stuff with Bordelani, it's going to be a little bit tougher because, uh, some, some internal issues with, mm-hmm. uh, just the international pool. Gotcha. Um, so I would say start Prashida just because that advantage. But in terms of skill, I would say Bordelani start bench Prashida, and uh, it's not even close. I, I cut Christian Brown. I'm completely out on him. Oh really? Why, why don't you like Christian Brown? I don't. He can't do a straight line left hand and drive. And in his time at Kansas, he hasn't done a, a normal. I, I know I got burned by this once. I said I learned, but he hasn't done a normal pull up jump shot even when there's been space to do it. I, I just I really think he's having some of his flaws hidden at Kansas. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I, Christian Brown has been a guy that I've kind of like grown to like just because of his shooting and his, uh, I mean, he, he tested great athletically and then like his tenacity as well, but all right, I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. Maybe I've just been, you know, t- taking people's word for it. Prashida is a guy that I love. Like I would love to get like at 30 or 34 is like even like a drafting stash, even if you don't want to bring him over, um, you know, for his shooting and his athleticism as well. So, all right, I'm with it. Uh, moving into, like, this was kind of my, like, veteran wing, guys. So, I got Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, and Ochai Baji. Start Keegan. Benchik Baji cut Johnny. Okay. Uh, That's a little unpopular. I think Ochai, uh, you know, I didn't even mention him in best shooters. I think he's one of the best shooters in the draft. Just that that floor ability is, is nuts, and he's a great athlete. All right, I like it. Um, are are you lower on Johnny Davis than consensus? Yeah, I've warmed up to him a little bit in the last few weeks, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I'm I'm lower on him. Okay, and like I said, you know that's okay. Like I'm I'm not I'm not chastising you. Like I like parody. And oh yeah, boards. Like I like different opinions. So, all right, I'm with it. Uh, let's see here. Bigger wings. I got Tari Eason, EJ Waddell, and Jeremy Sohan. Start Eason, bench Sohan, cut Waddell. Uh, I just I don't know what. I, I have an issue with – that was tough because I like Eason and not the other two that much. But EJ Waddell, 
he has questionable lateral quickness and I'm iffy on his passing and if his shooting translates. It's a lot of question marks for me. I got you. Yeah, there's there's always one guy in the draft I just like irrationally hate, and this draft is Jeremy Sohan. So uh, that's that that's my guy. I mean, it has nothing to do with his I think, personality or how he looks. Like I, I just think don't yeah, like Are you sure it's not the looks because because <laughs> he dyes his hair every game? Maybe that got on your nerves. Does he do it every game? I didn't and and he cut he cut he had like a I forgot what it was. He had like a sick. I want to say it was like an afro or something. I don't remember exactly, but he had sick hair and then like just cut it off. Which really, I, it was harder to find him on the court because of that, like, because him and Kendall Brown really stood out with like the massive hair. And unfortunately, the first game I saw and I was like, is Sohan not playing? Like, is this a misprint? So it really yeah. threw me off. Yeah, no, man. Like, I don't know. I just kind of had it with defensive specialists. Like, I, I want somebody that could do stuff on the offensive side of the ball. I'm like, I know there's some theoretical stuff there offensively. I just don't know if I trust it. Um, but going into the international pool, uh, we got the aforementioned Usman Shang, Dyson Daniels, and the never mentioned Nikola Jovic. I always just throw him in here after never mentioning him the entire pod. So <laughs> I, I start Jovic, 6'11 shot creator that can score very well from the three point line. I bench Jang and I cut Dyson Daniels. Uh, it comes down, I, I think Dyson Daniels' IQ and defense are really good, but I just don't know how well the shooting uh, adapts in the NBA. Okay, talk a little bit about Nikola Jovic because I think you're the first person that we've had on here that has had anything positive to say about him. So, like, wax poetic a little bit because I need to be convinced. Yeah, he – look, he has a lot of shortcomings. He's a mid-finisher at the at the rim, not a very good athlete. Defense is horrible. He's physically immature. His body needs to get better. Um, need to see what the intel says. I don't know what his work ethic is like and whatnot. Um, but – the pros are just ridiculous. I mean, even if this one skill translates, I think he's a top 15 player. And that's, you have a handle at six, you measured at 6'11". He has a great handle. He's 18 years old and will be 18 past the draft. So you combine that handle, he has a bag. He has that ability to really just hit deep step bags, step backs. And his just, I trust the shooting and shot creation. That's pretty much it. And I, I can say all the moves he has, but I mean, it's really deep shot creation at, at his size and age. is just really special to me. Do you think he's what people thought Patrick Baldwin Jr. was? Honestly, I could – yes. In, in a decent – yeah, to some extent, yes. Okay. All right. I like it. Uh, two more, man. So, uh, this is our, I guess, late-round bigs. So, the aforementioned Christian Cuoco, aforementioned Ishmael Kamigate, and Walker Kessler. Okay. Um, I start Kamigate. This is really tough, but I bench – Coloco, I, I love both those two, and I'm all the way out on Chris, on uh, excuse me Walker Kessler. So, I uh, I cut him. All I right. just I don't I don't think his shot blocking. He's one of the best shot blockers ever in college, but he's so slow. He can get away with recovering in college, and he camps out of the paint and kind of hunts. I don't think he can do it in the NBA. Yeah, feels he feels very heavy footed. Like you know, say what you want about Rudy Gobert, like defensively, like he moves his feet pretty well around the rim. Anyways, not so much on the perimeter, but yeah. I'm with you there. All right. Last one. Uh, this is our athletic wings. Um, I got Shaden Sharp, AJ Griffin, and your guy, Benedict Matherin. Um, so it was Shaden Matherin. Who was the middle? AJ Griffin. AJ Griffin. I start Sharp because of the upside. Mm. I bench Matherin. I cut Griffin. That one hurt. That one yeah. really hurt because I like all three. I'm glad I made at least one of those hard for you. So, 
Um, yeah, AJ Griffin, the do you feel like the athleticism thing is kind of being overblown, or do you feel like it's like a legitimate concern? Yeah, uh, he's coming off two years of injury. Let let the man heal. I mean, he wasn't even he didn't look hundred percent even for the first couple months. So yeah, I think the athleticism is fine. All right, I like it, man. Well, hey, Richard, uh, we've gone a few minutes over uh, what I said I would have you for. So I uh, thank you for your time. I thank you uh, for gracefully coming on the pod. Uh, go ahead and plug anything that you want to plug to our listeners and I'll let you out the floor. Yeah, um, Locked On Map, or I'm sorry, well, Locked On NBA Big Board is our new hub. We moved from Locked On NBA Draft. Uh, I'm on every Tuesday, probably more going forward, but we do it every day. We're, we're the only daily draft show out there. And then my Twitter app, Mavs Draft, any clips, scouting reports, all that, I post all goes through there. So if you want to see just about every player covered, I'm trying to do that this year. All right, man. I like it. And, yeah, we'll definitely be following your work on there. I mean, you've you've opened my eyes to different players that I hadn't heard of or I hadn't even thought of, like, you know, in a positive regard, you know, in regards to Jovic anyway. So uh, I appreciate your insight. Appreciate you coming on, man. Had a great time. And, guys, hope you all have a great day. God bless. Hoop when you can. And, as always, thunder up. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter, at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.